lingering souls, flashback lingering souls, spectral procession, flashback lingering souls, and step raise the alarm, make a couple soldiers. Stacy's making a million tokens again. Tokens again. Two more soldiers. I'm sitting looking bitter while he's blossoming. Fairy. Flashback lingering soul. He's got more forests and soldiers than the Viet Cong. The Viet Cong. He says it's junk, but I think that description is wrong. Hello and welcome to the latest bonus episode of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the casual spike, focused on the latest decks, trends, strategies, and YouTubers in modern and pioneer and beyond. My name is Stanislav here in Chicago, and with me on the line from the Commonwealth of Virginia... There's a Commonwealth, yeah. (laughs) It's the one and only MTG Remy. Thank you for having me, Stan. Remy, I am so happy to have you. I'm happy this, to be here. This is so cool. I'm such a huge fan of your videos. My co-host and I, we sing along every oh, day. <laughs> that's great. We have like a private, um, the, the Dive Down Nation, we have a private Slack channel for our Patreon members. And whenever you put up a new song, it always gets pushed to the main channel. You're a hit within the community, so we're all really happy to have you here and excited to kind of pick your brain about magic, content production, and whatever else comes up. Well, that makes me really happy to hear. Um, So, yeah. No, I'm excited. Sweet. Every time we have uh, one of these bonus interviews, one of the first things we like to do is a very brief lightning round that we call Inside the Grinders Studio. I love that. (laughs) I was a big fan of James Lipton with the uh, with the with the blue cards and the questionnaire and yeah I don't have blue cards I'm going no. mostly from memory <laughs> but um, yeah I got five questions for you you okay. can answer these in in one word or if you want to provide context that's your business I will not mute your mic okay first question what's your favorite magic card oh this one's easy uh, it is Brave the Elements uh, I like to play White Weenie in general. And that is like the versatile card that, you know, if you want to, you know, push through damage, if you want to do some sort of creative block, if you want to uh, respond to like a removal spell, it does it all. Question two. Mm. What's your least favorite magic card? That's a, that is tougher because I feel like that, uh, and I don't know if you're the same, but I feel like that ebbs and flows with, uh, with whatever you're just seeing in the, whatever format you happen to be playing. Um, in general, it's probably... Probably some something like pyroclasm, like a pyroclasm type effect. I'm generally usually playing like a white aggro deck, mm-hmm. and that usually is just something that I'm not planning on uh, having to deal with so early. And uh, so probably something like that, I would say. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Magic format? I I play standard most often, like uh, you know before the, the pandemic. Um, and, and certainly for like the last 10 years, I've been playing paper standard and that's what the, my local store has. And 
Uh, I wouldn't say that it's always my favorite format to play, but it just happens to be what I play because that's what everybody kind of shows up to play. Uh, I like modern and I have a modern deck, mm-hmm. but just something about the standard crowd is just a fun crowd to be around. It, 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 speaking specifically to uh, to my store uh, that I that I would play at, so that kind of just since that is like the in the hierarchy of magic needs, like the social thing is that box is checked and yes. and that's standard. Okay, yeah, I'll play standard. Yeah, I'll I force white weenie in standard or some weird Johnny <laughs> deck. I will frequently say that the gathering is the best part of magic. So I, I can I totally agree. understand what I you agree. mean with just like being drawn to the community, perhaps foremost. Are you, I'm assuming you, you, you would be either pioneer or the modern as favorite. Uh, modern for sure. Mm. And then pioneer is kind of like my next favorite non-rotating format, but you know, I've got my EDH group. I love a pre-release when those come around, mm-hmm. but I have an affinity for like, the modern format i've been playing it long enough that i kind of know it like the back of my hand so there's a lot of short here's a question not to slow down not to slow down the lightning because i know that (laughs) that implies like a fast pace but i'm curious because i want to get into playing edh some Mm -hmm. and one of the things that has prevented me from kind of wanting to do it before is like it feels like it's so different from like constructed magic that maybe um maybe i wouldn't necessarily have a, a the same it wouldn't appeal to me in the same way. Is your group, sure. is your group like overly competitive? Is it mostly social? Is it a little bit of both? Um, I might be the most competitive member of the group uh, because the rest of them pretty much are limited to casual commander games. And mm-hmm. for context, we started out as a group of friends apropos of magic. And then like magic was just kind of a hobby that many of us like kind of got into around the same time or introduced to one another. So it was like, the friendship is central to this EDH group. And then, you know, sometimes we'll play weird, like, decks that are all enchantments or all yeah. gods. And then I'll show up with, like, a pre-constructed deck that Wizards sells every couple of years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'll just inject it with a bunch of my overpowered modern cards and then make my friends mad at me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just break that that social contract or whatever exactly. is evolved from the group. <laughs> totally. Lightning round question, the fourth. Do you have an MTG white whale? Yes, probably a number of them. I I would like to, you know, every now and then I see like uh, somebody flipping a chaos orb on some like uh, old school tournament or something like that. I've never flipped a chaos orb in my life. I think I would like to do that. I think I would like to, I would like to practice, you know, at home with something far less valuable and play old school. And you know maybe get to do that. I've never owned something in the the Power Nine, mm-hmm. uh, even even back in the day when they weren't as uh, expensive as they are now. But I think I would settle for just a Chaos Orb, even for a little while. Even if I owned it for like a couple years and sold it for you know probably the same price I paid for it. And when you say flip a Chaos Orb, you literally mean that. Like whenever anyone drops a Chaos Orb onto the board which is a card the rules text actually tells you to throw it onto other cards and see what it touches. Like, everyone actually does that. They try to flip it like a little coin. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah, I, yeah I'm just going to... It just looks fun. It is yeah. so unique, you know? Final question. Mm. Do you have a favorite piece of magic slaying? That is tough. That is tougher. Um, 
I think I would go with uh, interaction. I don't know if that counts as slang, mm. but you know, people talk about oh, uh, interaction or inter- something interacting with something, and that one of all the magic terminology, if that counts as magic terminology, has snuck into my everyday speak. I'll allow it. Where I think I, I think I've caught myself uh, talking to my kids and say, no, don't, don't, don't interact with it or something like that. It's just, it's like, that's an awkward way of saying that, but uh, (laughs) so be it. I love that. So before we get into kind of perhaps the thing that people know you best for, I want to get to know you a little bit more on a personal level. Mm -hmm. When was the first time you heard about Magic the Gathering? It was the fall of 1994 and my friends were playing Magic the Gathering. This is like school had started, and my friends were playing this game, and um, I was not into it. And it seemed like it just seemed like something I would not like, you know. And uh, I, just, I, I think I was like making fun of them for like being so into in, into this game. And uh, you know, this is back in the day when we had sleepovers. You know, you'd have like, oh, it's the weekend. You know, let's go to your, you know, whose whose house, whose mom's hosting the sleepover. <laughs> And uh, they were playing the game, and not only did I, like, get into it, then I became, like, the person who was, like, most into it. Mm -hmm. And I was just, like, um, when I was a kid, I was kind of into baseball cards and and comic books. And uh, I think at one point I was even, I even got those those Marvel Masterpiece cards. I don't know if you ever heard about those, but it was kind of like a fad, maybe, like, 93. So my brother growing up... Um, in the 90s, mm. collected Marvel, especially X-Men trading cards. Yeah. It was not a game. It was like basically baseball cards, but with Marvel characters on them. Yeah, I think it was that. Okay. I think it was that. Because that's basically what it was. And I, I don't even remember. On the back, it would have like stat. I, like, I don't know how you quantify Wolverine's right. stats, but right, <laughs> it right. was like, uh, it had like some sort of thing. And the art was like uh, uh, nice. There were, and there was nice stock but it was it was then it was uh november 94 and that was like that was not a unique you know like a, a lot of people um i don't i don't uh, i actually don't i don't know um if there was anybody who was like it's it's school at that point that like hadn't heard at least that people were kind of getting into it. i don't know what when, when did you get into uh magic oh man so um I first got introduced to it, I was, I want to say in like 7th or 8th grade, which was right around 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Maybe even my, maybe even before that, uh, the earliest set that I remember was Invasion Block. Um, but then I took a long hiatus, like it, in high school, just because I, I had no money. And I wasn't particularly good at it. And then years later, when I was in my 20s and I had a job, a buddy of mine decided to go buy some intro decks from the local comic book store on a total whim. Mm -hmm. And then we spent the rest of the afternoon playing with these intro decks in the park and it snowballed from there. Like within a week, I probably spent a hundred bucks on cards (laughs) on Craigslist and booster packs you don't quit you know it's like you just de- it's like facebook where you just deactivate right. <laughs> and like you'll right. be back <laughs> exactly you never you never you never quit that's kind of similar to 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 how how my uh experience has been because we played for i think like a, a year or so 
like uh, this was when I was I was a freshman in high school mm-hmm. in, in 1994, and I think we played for a year into sophomore year, but then stopped. And then periodically, that's what we would do. We would get like the intro, the starter decks for whatever the new set was every few years, and then we'd be into it for a little while, and then and then not, and then. Um, but when I when I got back into it in like 2000 and 10 i think 2008 somewhere around then uh that's when i discovered tournament magic and then i haven't had a hiatus since i mean i've had like semi hiatuses in the sense that uh we've had children and that is like not as much time for magic the gathering right uh but it's even then i'm still kind of watching uh content and uh trying to you know following you know whatever whether it be like the star city games tournament or the pro tour or something um even though I'm not going to this, able to go to the store and play uh, as much, but uh, so that, that that's kind of a similar similar experience over here. When you got back into it, like around 08, 2010, mm-hmm. what era of MTG was that? Do you remember? It was what some oh yeah, that were? would be easy to figure out because it was um, I was I was playing. It was like Soul Sisters was like a thing had just become a thing. Um, and I think I've made like an archive trap deck. So I think that was Zendikar. Okay. Maybe that's Zendikar. Sure. Uh, Conflux and Zendikar. Oh, maybe that's that, that, <laughs> that block. sounds right. And I think the first set that came out maybe was Rise of the Eldrazi when I was into tournament magic. I think that was the first time mm-hmm. they were previewing cards maybe. And at that point is, is that when you started playing standard pretty frequently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I went to one store and, uh, decided to try it out and it was, it was pretty, it was pretty fun. And, uh, but it wasn't, wasn't that great. Wasn't that great of a, uh, store. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I was like, well, I guess maybe I don't like tournament magic, but, uh, I, I don't remember exactly how I found the other store. But when I did, I decided to go check out Magic there, and then it was like a just completely different scene. Like a, sure. it was like a physically nicer place to be in, uh, and uh, yeah. And then I was like, "Oh, this is this is awesome!" And uh, yeah, that was great. And then subsequently, I've you know, and, and maybe this is probably the case with you. You know, you, it's, it takes you different places. You know, like oh, let's play let's play in this event uh in richmond you know i went yeah. to states and i remember that was the first time i went to a, a big thing was uh states was that the first big time if it wasn't it was the first time i went to a big thing and it was just like so fun uh and uh and i did that i didn't even know anybody that uh, i didn't go with anybody and i didn't know really anybody who played but it was still so fun uh and uh so yeah it was just playing with sideboards. That, that was really what it was. We, we sure. never played with sideboards. You know, we were always like, oh, man, this guy's got uh, a blue elemental blast for my red deck. And, like, there's no avoiding it. You know, like, I'm just going to, you know, just like the the idea of playing two of three with a sideboard is just takes the, the game to a next level. Totally agreed. Something I'm always curious about with especially artists whom I admire, um, such as yourself, do you have a day job or vocation outside of content production? So basically it's some degree of this. It's not magic, the gathering, but it's uh, uh, a basically freelance. I do uh, comedy. That's how I started. Basically I started making uh, YouTube videos uh, 
over 10 years ago, and I, I did, uh, I'm, I'm at my mom's house, <laughs> as you can see, with all the Arab-themed everything. So uh, work is going well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you never, you never, uh, you never escape. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I made songs about Lebanese food and, and mm -hmm. uh, Middle Eastern, growing up in a Middle Eastern house, and uh, those kind of like took off in those circles. And I've gotten to do like live performances at colleges to like Middle Eastern uh, student associations, and uh, to this day, with you know pre-pandemic got to do like private events and stuff like that. And that's kind of uh, largely what I've done. Um, I don't put, uh, upload on uh, stuff of that nature really anymore. But um, every now and then, if I get particularly inspired, I'll, I'll do so. But as a result, you know, this pandemic, I, did, I had a lot of extra spare time. And For thought, sure. uh, this is something that I've always kind of wanted to do. Um, and I thought about doing it before but never really got going. But this just seemed like the perfect time. I mean, like, it's a tough time. It's a tough time yes. right now. So, um, And you know what? We need the levity. And I think your your content, your video, videos and sketches provide a lot of that. So, I'm glad that you say that because that's what I'm, I'm trying to do. And it's honestly, it's not like a, it's not a selfless endeavor. I have a lot of fun doing it. So uh, that's, I'm literally just having a, blast doing it i want to dive more into your music and youtube videos but let's play a quick sketch this is one of my favorite mtg remy sketches um it's about imperious great worm well it looks like their only attacker is an impervious great worm <laughs> elite vanguard block you want me to block a 1616 great worm i mean they're tapped out we'll win on the swing back Oh, good. Well, you'll have to tell me about it when you reassemble me. So overdramatic. Am I, Todd? It's a 16-16 great worm. I mean, how am I even supposed to block something like this? You know, you just plant your feet. Oh, I didn't realize this was basketball. Thank you very much, Coach Jackson. Look, Vanguard, we have victory staring right at us. All we need to do is chump block and... Wait, what block? Uh, martyr block? Hero block. So there you have it. Can you can you tell me how did you write that sketch and how does that relate to maybe your creative process in general for the sketches, not not necessarily the music videos? Uh, so with the sketches, basically a, a lot of times is I'm just trying to do something that will be fun. And uh, the most recent sketch that I did was actually a great example of it because I was working on something that I wanted to do and it just wasn't wasn't good enough this was uh uh monday 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 night basically monday night no tuesday night this was tuesday and i scrapped the video i was doing and i was like okay i this is just terrible i need to do something else and so i decided i was going to do uh something about blood chief's thirst because i thought mm -hmm. that's just a funny that's like a funny thing like uh you, you could do something with that so i was like all right wednesday morning i've been uploading my videos on wednesdays and I was like, Wednesday morning, I'm just tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm just going to ha have fun with this thing. And it'll be a fun morning. And whatever happens, happens. And so basically, that's what I did. And as a result, I just I had like a really fun morning. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I uh, 
I was I was up late. I was watching the baseball game. The um, the World Series was on, and mm-hmm. I sent the clip to some guy who animates clips. I took I cut up the uh, the art from Blood Chiefs Thirst. So I was like, you know, can you animate this? Uh, at some point in the next twelve hours would be great. And sure enough, so I woke up. I had the animation. Uh, I had fun with the characters and 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 put it together. It was just it was. It was just fun. So the the sketches, I just I'm just trying to I'm just trying to just entertain. <laughs> I'm just trying to have fun with it. I guess that's the, uh, the the short short answer, long answer to a short question. So it kind of sounds like for those, the ideation to completion is like maybe a day or two. Yeah, and I think some of them some of them some of them vary. Like uh, some of them have more uh, of a like a s- script. I'm mm-hmm. trying to think. The one that I think I put the most time into was. I did this thing where it was uh, this uh, Dijin who it was left out of Arabian Nights, and his brother, his brother is Juzum Dijin, and he mm-hmm. like really mm-hmm. is up. You know, he's like trying to pretend like he's not upset, but he he is upset. But I that one I actually like I, I took a while to write it, and I actually rehearsed it so I could try to do it in one take. And, uh, and so that one that one took a while, but then there's others like. Uh, I did uh, Alicia, who smiles at death's son, and he was right. like, uh, like he was like Gary, who smiles at death, or something like that. I can't remember, but he just uh, he just kept uh, I smile at death, and that was like basically the whole thing. It was just like it was just terrible, you know. In right. like hindsight, it's just like the the silliest joke, but uh, yeah, that one understand you you would would not be surprised to hear it did not take quite as long to write. <laughs> Well, I think back on ones like your review of Fallen Empires, originally aired in 94. Also, the uh, one about the the judge's mailbag from Minnesota. I, I have to imagine those took a little bit of time to write. Yeah, those those took a while. Yeah, the, the, those those longer ones definitely took uh, took longer. That that Fallen Empires one did take a while. Uh, I love that one. That That's one of my favorites like as well. I like that. Just the, the nostalgia of it. I like that. I have a soft spot for those older cards. Yeah. Um, um, so I did discover you originally because of the parody songs. Mm-hmm. You're practically the Weird Al of MTG. Yeah. Sans accordion. Unless you yeah. play an accordion and I just haven't seen no, it. No, no, no. I do. <laughs> um, how many instruments do you play? I basically just one. I, I play like a really terrible guitar. Uh, I mean, I can play chords. I like country music, so I play um, some some country songs. But for these uh, parody songs that I've been doing on my channel, I've uh, have a friend of mine, uh, Ben, who is a musician, and I've been hiring uh, him, working with him, to create these custom tracks for mm-hmm. these. Uh, songs and I I really like how they turn out and uh, you know it's also great because then you can structure the song any way you want if you want it to have a certain vibe in one direction if you want to take uh, the last song that I had on the channel was it was a spoof of Down Under by Men at Work you right, know, right. it's like playing from cards from the graveyard and that's the land Down Under uh, but the little musical interludes in between the verses are longer in the original. I was like, well, that's, I don't really have jokes for, for these mm-hmm. parts. I was like, ben, do you think we could maybe cut from the, from eight, eight beats? Can we make these four? And you know, he's 
a lot more talented than I am. So I was like, yeah, I could do that. And uh, so that having that flexibility is 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 great. How long is the average creative life cycle of a of one of the songs from the idea to delivery? Uh, basically, I'm 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 struggling the whole, like the whole month to try to 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 get. I'm trying to do like a, uh, and you uh, touched upon this. I thought I thought. Um, basically like so it's like a monthly song and that's basically where i'm at i'm trying to do like a song a month uh like every four weeks or so and i'm basically trying to do that right now so right now i'm working on uh what might be i'm supposed to do in my mind a sketch for next week but i'm trying to get the song that i was doing for the following week to move it up for wednesday because i think it would be fun to have a wednesday song especially with like election days on tuesday so like Yes. It would be nice to just, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to get all the the props in time. And I have like the second verse that I haven't really, I haven't written, but it's like not good. So uh, maybe people are going to be listening to this and they're going to see the song and be like, eh, he didn't really write it. <laughs> That's the second verse that he was talking about. It's uh, lackluster. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of putting this episode, this interview out on election day. Because I think we're going to need a distraction. Oh, yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, tomorrow's video is <laughs> completely written and was perfect a week ago. Do you feel like the game or the cards or there's anything that is particularly ripe for parody? Or was it just like, I love magic. I want to start incorporating this into my creative output. It's the latter. I mean, it's the latter. It's like, it's... uh it's just the stuff that you enjoy. And that's kind of like, I like hummus. And I was like, I like to make a song about hummus. And I, I like doing this thing. And it's just like, that's the fun thing about um, the the internet. And unfortunately, nowadays, there's some negatives to the internet too. But it's cool. It's like, you know, you like um, uh, Pioneer and Modern and Magic the Gathering. And Look at the tools that we have in our hands. I mean, we're talking here on this video call, just firing it up, click of a button. Uh, you know, we we never met before. You know, we get to yeah. know each other now and face to face. It's so cool, and I feel like that's the same thing that can happen uh, with with any sort of um, creative urge that you have. You know, whether it's uh, you know all these people selling masks on Etsy boy, they really did us like a favor, you know, like the, the store was out of masks, but like all these, all these people, and you know, I got like a, I have a houndstooth mask. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I got it in like February, you know, like even though it was like the, the peak of um, uh, all the stores being out of stuff, there's all, mm-hmm. all these people kind of taking their creative outlets uh, and taking advantage of all this technology and, and stuff. It's really cool. Has it like... Because you make other videos too, right? Uh-huh. Your your one sketch, your one MTG sketch a week is not the only sketch you put out per uh-huh. week, and and you have at least one other YouTube channel that I've found. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have and, I have my own channel. I have two I have two personal channels. I have um, uh, my my channel where I do um, the Arab themed stuff and some other um, assorted like rap videos. I, I moved to a town in here in Virginia uh, a number of years ago. Arlington, Virginia, and I made a rap video about Arlington, Virginia. I don't live there anymore. This was pre-kids, uh-huh. and uh, so now we're out in the burbs. Uh, and then uh, I had just that one t- channel until uh, until I uh, 
made the MTG Remy channel, but I'll still do some freelance um, stuff. And I was, uh, I acted in a, a sitcom, like a, a international sitcom uh, called Brown Nation. And what? It's, on, it's on Netflix. What? Yeah. So I was a character in this uh, this sitcom. <laughs> uh, I, I played, uh, and I never I never auditioned for it because I had my Arab themed. Um, you know, videos, and uh, the director had this this character who was basically like this Arab, this uh, kind of like uh, Arab businessman with like these zany business ideas, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Yeah, just 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 do it like that." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> wow! So now you you went from YouTube to offer only. Mm. I mean, that was a, that was just a one off, but it's just like uh, that, even that's kind of like freelance. Sure, you know, it's just uh, the. What do they call it? The gig economy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the gig economy. What's Reason TV? Because that was one of the other places I, I found you on YouTube. Yeah. So I, uh, one of the places that uh, I'll do freelance work for is Reason TV. And basically that started with, so in uh, 2007, there was a Democratic debate for the South Carolina presidential primary. And it was YouTube questions. So I submitted a question and it got on air in the actual presidential debate and they offered it to, I don't know if you've heard this guy uh, of this guy, but they, uh, they asked the question to this Senator Joe Biden. Huh? Very relevant. Rings a bell. Very, very relevant now. Uh, and, uh, so it was super cool. I got to go to South Carolina and I got to have the, the question on the thing. And they put like, when their question was airing, they put like the camera, like, and it's like right on your face. And I'm like, just like red and like sweating under my shirt. I'm like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. It was like that. It was just terrifying. Uh, and, uh, so that was cool. So, uh, uh, people saw that on, on TV and I got like an offer to make like similar videos about, cause my question was about taxes. And I, I was, I had a question about taxes and I asked them to, I said, I got a parking ticket and can you forgive me? And it was kind of, it was like silly, you know, so it was kind of funny. And, uh, so like, uh, this organization, um, asked me if I could make them a couple videos uh, about taxes. It was like a tax policy organization. So I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. This is, I could start on YouTube and I was like making like zero money. So I was Mm -hmm. like, that's more than zero. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And it was, it was fun. Um, and then, um, I was like, yeah, this is kind of fun. I like this. So, like, uh, I, I talked to them, um, or the the uh, friend friend now who introduced me to them. I was like, uh, this is kind of fun. Like, uh, just kind of like along the same lines. Like when I have an urge to make a song about hummus, I have an outlet for that. Uh, but I didn't really want to put that stuff on my. It, it's kind of like off brand. I don't want to do like hummus and tax videos. Um, <laughs> So, so I was like, uh, you know, what do you, is uh, any other opportunities kind of like that? And, uh, so basically anytime now I have like kind of some, some sort of thing to say, almost like a, like a political cartoon, mm-hmm. um, or a thing on the current events, uh, I'll do something like that. So I did a, uh, after the presidential debate, uh, two presidential debates ago, I did a, uh, like a, a rap video from that. Um, so I've had some that I've liked. I did one about Bitcoin when Bitcoin was like the, the thing that everybody was talking about. I was like a Bitcoin billionaire and I'm like spending all this money. And then the, uh, there's a solar flare and like all my money gets fried and I'm just like, <laughs> so. 
Okay, so when you work on like these rap songs, are you working with the same musician, Ben, was it, to, to do all your music? Yeah, so uh, basically, yeah. Any Anytime I'm doing um, any sort of uh, musical anything that I can't do myself, I'll, I'll work with my friend Ben, who uh, is – talk about the, the, the magic of uh, the internet is actually on the opposite coast that I am. He's out in uh, British Columbia. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, so uh, – it puts a, a lot of hours into making, making, uh, making all the songs, inclu- including the land down under, because, uh, you know, a lot of these songs, you don't really appreciate how many instruments are going into it, but there's like, you know, there's like a flute and there's like, mm-hmm. it's a rock song, but there's also these other things. So, uh, working all that out, but, uh, I just, uh, I try to do justice to the, to the music with the lyrics. Do you have a team of collaborators beyond that? Because I'm assuming you film yourself. Yeah, a safe assumption. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been filming myself. And then for the writing, I just I write them myself. That's, to me, the most fun part is the coming up with the, the, the jokes and, the, and um, the lyrics. I've always loved parodies. You know, even when I was a kid, I was writing parody songs in the middle of class. And so just to be able to do that is like that's just what I ha- have the most fun doing. Yeah. W- what about the editing? The editing I'll do myself as well. So I, um, one of the, one of the pandemic things is like, I, I wanted to learn how to do premiere, uh, mm-hmm. Adobe premiere. Uh, so I got Adobe premiere and I got Adobe Photoshop. So I've been doing the editing in premiere, which, uh, I've liked. Um, and it's, it's yeah, I like it. And I've been doing the, uh, the thumbnails for the video on uh, in Photoshop. So sure. I like watch some, you know, on YouTube, you could just watch these tutorials that are narrated by like some eight year old kid who's just like way more knowledgeable <laughs> and smart than I am. And uh, so. Um, are you on the cloud? Are you on creative cloud yet? Uh, that's that, that question is above my pay grade. I think. <laughs> I should I be? Because <laughs> I, I, I think the next piece of software for you is After Effects. And then you can start that, animating that is, your own cards. Maybe that's the white whale. Stan, I think that, that that's my if, if uh, the chaos orb is my magic white whale. I think uh, After Effects is my editing white whale because I would like to do some animation stuff in the down under video. I put myself in the card and I never like I put my I was in a Snapcaster mage and I was the the right. guy and I never done an effect like that and uh, so I was pretty proud. I was pretty proud of that, even though it like looks like so like terrible. Uh, but I liked <laughs> are, are you playing like on MTG Arena these days, or do you play Magic Online or, or on Spell Table, or are you just making content and, and uh, uh, gold fishing? I, I have Arena. I got Arena when, when it started because I was so excited for, for Arena. I used to play Magic Online. Uh, I have not played Magic Online in a long time. I basically sold all my collection. Um, I think I sold it basically once Arena came out. Mm. But so I you helped the crash end. the economy, basically. I mean, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I like I like Arena. I, I I don't play it as much or that sure. much, yeah. but uh, I do have it. And I, I have been playing. I mean, I've, I've been playing in this current standard. Yeah. On the on the ladder. You, you mentioned that like you're primarily a standard player, 
but looking at your videos, especially the music videos, like sometimes your collection is on display. Mm-hmm. And and I'm thinking about like the modern Monday music video. How do you go from being a standard player to like having Karn and a dredge pieces and all of that? Well, I actually have been just buying the cards uh, as uh, as the scripts are created. I just ordered a, a bunch of cards this morning, actually, in the hopes that um, I'll be a- if I'm able to do a music video for next week, mm-hmm. cards for that music video. Even though I might have to get others for the second verse, if, uh, if I ever figure out what is in that second verse. But um, hold on, hold on. Does this yeah. mean that you can write off your magic cards as an expense, as a business expense? Oh my gosh, maybe it does. I, I don't know. I'm gonna have to. That's the dream, really. That is the dream. <laughs> I mean, Stan, that means you could. Listen, listen. We're going to have to put this interview on pause while I call H&R Block. <laughs> yeah, just leave it to... That's for the accountant. <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to try, if we can, you know, try to make this conversation valuable to aspiring YouTube uh, content creators and, or, or mm-hmm. filmmakers or musicians. Because, you know, one of the things that I think is truly impressive and... and well-deserved is just the sheer amount of subscribers and engagement that you get for every video. And like you got over 20,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel, your videos get tens of thousands of views. Is that, is there money in that? Is, is that like a career path or a trajectory someone can take to getting, you know, maybe carving out a full-time job for themselves on YouTube? Or is that just like still scratching the surface? Cause I look at that and I'm like, Heck, I, I wish I had tens of thousands of views, then I can quit my day job. I, I I think I, for moving forward, I think I'm going to try to figure that out because as it stands, um, up until uh, a few days ago, I had no ads on any of the videos, and that's still basically the case. I turned ads on like three of the, I think I've got like 28, 29 videos. I turned ads on three, just kind of curious to see... Um, what happens as far as um, if does that mean that they get maybe recommended more? I don't know how that works. Um, my thought when I was starting the channel was just like well, a couple things. One, I just wanted like people to be able to watch it, so I didn't have. I mean, initially I wasn't even a- able to turn ads on, so then mm-hmm. the points moved. Um, but once I was able to, I still haven't because I just want people to be able to watch them and and that's the that's the point uh also the idea that you're going to watch like a 30 second pre-roll before like 20 seconds of underwhelming comedy is just like it's actually kind of like uh that doesn't make sense uh but i'm my plan was just to kind of do this for 2020 and then you know that was that was fun like we're you know we're we're all kind of like hunkered down at the house you know across the country when i was starting the thing so it just seemed like well let's like kind of do something fun let's make something fun let's watch something fun let's forget the bad stuff and here's here's like a minute where we don't have to think about that stuff um but i'm just i'm having a lot of fun so i want to figure that out i've had like a couple offers to sponsor videos over the last few months um that I, I haven't taken like uh, from be it like one was like an affiliate thing where you like a it will give you a promo code and mm-hmm. 
one was just a more traditional offer where you you put the logos at the front and the end. But I was like, eh, I'm just I'm just kind of doing this temporary for fun anyway, so no thanks. But yeah, I might try to figure that out and and see. Um, but I mean, hopefully, I guess the answer would be like hopefully. But but something that's also like kind of true to the the feel. I think it would be fun if like it worked in like. You know, I'm not, I don't want to name the things that I use, but there are things that I use, you know, like that we all use. We use our certain brands of sleeves and certain sure. blends of play mats or something sure. like that. Maybe that could be worked in um, for something. I don't know. But that would, in, the, in an ideal world, I think I'd like to try to figure that out because this is, a, this is a lot of fun. But, I mean, you know, doing uh, hiring musicians and buying the cards and, and obviously the time that you're taking from it uh, definitely – has added up <laughs> yeah for people who don't even understand like making a living through youtube like mm-hmm. what insights could you potentially provide into like the economy of youtube content creation and, and or even like what sort of goals do people need to set if that's something that they want to pursue i think you need to try to come up with it uh, from a number of different ways so you need to um th- th- that would be my experience where you're um you're doing, I think like some people get so many views that they're probably making a living just on the, on the views or something like that. But I think you have to do it a number of ways. You got to do it like that. You got to, um, uh, do some work for hire. Maybe, um, you know, you could do live, live stuff, live performances. If it's, if this is, this is musical. So like, I'm just talking mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you know, depends on what it is you do will depend on whether or not you get invited to perform at an Arab birthday party, you know, like, <laughs> it depends on where you, you know, if you're, you know, if you're making potting plant videos, you're probably not going to get invited to the, uh, the, the Arab birthday party. But, uh, I, I would think, and that, that seems like to be what people are doing. They're, they're, people are, seem like they're, they have merchandise and they're, uh, they're doing pr- uh, product placement things and, uh, Maybe some other things like Patreon. I started a Patreon for uh, my Magic channel like uh, a couple weeks ago to see if that would be maybe just a better way to do it, um, or at least like kind of like help um, at, at the very least offset some of the the costs and uh, like that. But I think whatever it is, it's 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 um, you, you, I think you can probably take it from a few angles and not just rely on one thing, whether that's ad revenue or something like that, because it's just, I feel, I feel like that's just a lot of views to, yeah. to make like, uh, cause the, the ad for all the technology that has gone into, uh, you know, tracking people and chasing them with ads, the payouts are just, they're, they're really not a lot. Sure. Um, and it, even if you're getting like a million views on a, on a video, you're, you're not making a lot. Um, but maybe, maybe you could, maybe that if you worked an ad of your own into that, that could be something. And that's something that I think actually what would kind of be interesting because, uh, I've been kind of wondering myself, like for the, from the magic perspective, like what if a magic content creator and I mean, judging by, uh, the, some of the, the offers that I've heard, uh, or received, um, uh, from 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 a magic uh, uh, site, uh, I don't 
there's not something you can make a living from. Sure. And I mean, it, it, obviously it's happening. We know that there are people that are making a living doing uh, magic content creation, but we also know people who just drop out from it and move on to something else. And presumably they would stay in magic if, if that seemed like a thing. So yeah. it could be something fun just to like, maybe just take notes as uh, we go through it and then just, you know, I don't know. I'm excited to plug your Patreon. We'll have a link to it in the show notes of this episode. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, folks. <laughs> Listen, if you want to throw your money away, Remy's Patreon is out there. Yeah. Oh, man. What do you think about the state of magic in 2020? Because, you know, it's been a tumultuous year. Mm-hmm. Not just because of COVID, but like, and I'm, I guess I'm not sure how close, how much attention you pay to like, the community and and sort of the voices on Twitter, but like there's a lot of good, but you know, sometimes there's bad and outrage. And is that something that ever makes it to your radar or impacts you as a player or even a content creator? Well, I have uh, in recent weeks taken a break from social media. I was, I was checking it, I think way too often. And it was uh, honestly, it was just kind of bringing me down Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's actually it's like a nice, nice, uh, nice little break. Um, I there's a lot that I yeah. Answer is yes. I, I, I do follow the things, and I know the um, whatever the you know the things that are the controversies and everything like that. But uh, I don't know. I can't get worked up about most of it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm curious to, to hear what what your thoughts are on it because um, I don't know. I think maybe part of it's like having started playing back in like when magic comparatively just was not as good as it is now. It's like much better than it used to be. Like fallen empires was like innovation to us. (laughs) And like, I don't want to sound like, like an old man, like, Oh, when I was boy, we we had fallen empires and walked uphill both ways to the LGS, (laughs) but, but it's just better, you know? And it's, uh, so I can't get, I, you know, Obviously, uh, there are things that are not perfect. I, I, I get, I get people's points whenever, whatever it is. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just am really grateful for just new standards that are even kind of, or kind of interesting, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what do you, what are, what are your thoughts? And especially this year where it seems like, uh, lots of things are getting like banned all and the formats are, I don't know, getting solved yeah. or. Yeah, I mean, we definitely talk about 2020 magic as kind of a, a force beyond ourselves a lot on the podcast. One of the nice things about being primarily focused on like a handful of formats is it, it lets us ignore some of the other noise. So like, you know, I try to pay attention to the discourse just to be engaged with the community, see what people care about. And right now that's Commander Legends spoiler season and this card got spoiled. It kind of looks like Black Lotus, but you can only use it to spend mana on commanders. Um, yeah, I mean, that it's exactly what know. it sounds like. It's a zero mana rock, tap, sack it, produce three. You can only use the mana for your commander. Uh, and people are are upset. And, you know, there's a lot of hyperbole. There's a lot of advocacy. And, like, some people saying, like, actually, this is great design for X, Y, and Z reasons. So especially in this year where we're all kind of hunkered down and like trying to navigate a million sources of external stress and like Uh seeing tumult within 
a community that's supposed to be an escape can be taxing and I can even envy you a little bit in your ability to take a social media break. I haven't been able to pull that trigger yet, but, um, modern for me and, and focusing on modern is kind of like an escape from that too. And surely even my favorite formats will sometimes get broken uh-huh. and, and that can be challenging, but like the good times are sweeter because in some cases we survive those bad times and like more often than not, at least in the formats that I care about, like the bands are welcome. Because yeah. it usually means that there's like light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I like uh, and I like new formats. It's like uh, um, it's like those guys who are doing they do like uh, like a roulette um, set yeah, set roulette yeah, yeah. and then they pick a format just based on like some random thing and then it's like a new format for a week. Oh, that's kind of exciting, you know. So when they ban something and it's like a new format, uh, that's kind of fun. Uh, modern always, and I've played modern a few times. Um, what I always appreciated about it was that you could seemingly just play whatever you wanted and like, you'd be able to, I like I played, um, uh, my modern deck is like just sky flyers. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, I saw, um, saffron olive on a budget magic playing, uh, just sky flyers. And I was like, that looks so fun. And I have like a lot of these cards. So I, I uh, put it together, and it's it's so much fun. It's so much fun, and like you know, I've had um, uh, the instance that inspired the song "Modern Monday." I had mm-hmm. an experience like that with it, but I also I played like a side event, and like uh, at the at uh, when the Grand Prix was in town, and I went four zero with it against like hey yo, like yeah, <laughs> like that's like modern you know like you could show up with like this uh 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 favorable wins deck and mm-hmm. still you know sometimes not all spike the time. a tournament yeah every now and then yeah you you mentioned fallen empires i want to play um a snippet from your fallen empires review sketch just because it's it's one of my favorite remy videos um and i think it does a nice job of kind of highlighting what you're talking about in terms of the quality of magic now versus some of the shenanigans that were being released back then. So this is uh, the Fallen Empire set review, originally aired in 1994. (laughs) Hey there, magic fans. Today is November 1st, 1994, and you know what that means. It's the release of Fallen Empires, the latest expansion for Magic the Gathering. Now, I've had a chance to look at these cards, and let me tell you, this will go down in history as the greatest expansion ever printed. So let's crack open some boosters and have a look at some of those cards that'll have your opponents crumbling like the roof of the kingdom. Starting in black, where the bomb rare is Eben Praetor, a 5-5 five, five for 6, and let's just take a look at the text box, a beautiful design. So you get a minus 2, minus 2 counter every turn, sacrifice a creature during your upkeep, and you can remove one of the minus 2, minus 2 counters, unless, of course, the creature sacrificed to Eben Praetor happened to be a thrall, in which case you can also put a plus 1, plus 0 counter on Eben Praetor with the stipulation that only one creature, throw it otherwise, may be sacrificed to Evan Prater during the upkeep. Okay, so pretty straightforward effect here. Can't wait to introduce some opponents to this card. Speaking of great design, Wizards has printed plenty of thralls to support it, including Armor Thrall, seen here at what appears to be a Saudi consulate. Sacrifice it, put a plus one, plus two counter on target creature. So with Fallen Empires, you can get to these really fun situations where you're adding a plus one, plus two counter, a minus two, minus two counter, a plus one, plus zero counter, all to the same creature. Tons of fun. Moving on to white, which will always be wholesome, just like Aunt Becky. White is the most powerful color in Fallen Empires for one reason only. Say it with me now, banding. You ask for it, and 
Wizards delivered tons of new cards with banding, chief among them Acacian Infantry, depicted here trying to determine who farted, also in white Acacian Skirmishers, an aggressively costed 1-1 one, one for 4, probably should be a CMC5 with stats like that, Acacian Skirmishers looking like the most overpowered card since Curd Ape. What inspired that video? Do you, do you remember the creative process for that one? I just thought it would be funny to, you know, make something that looked like it was a VHS cassette and, and it was just making all these like uh, predictions. Cause that's how we like felt, you know, with it was like, Oh man, like uh, even with like Homelands, when Homelands came out, like Baron Singir was like the card and you were just like, Oh man, you got Baron Singir. And there's just all these things that we used to think about the game that were just so wrong. Uh, we used to trade my friend, uh, all our dual lands because you would open up a booster pack and you'd get a dual land as your rare and you'd be like, Ugh, yeah, so boring. <laughs> like, uh, and we had like this one like weird friend who liked the dual lands and we're like, okay, you know, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, if you really want it, that's fine. I'll trade you my force of nature for your your underground sea or my you know vice versa. Like, but you know, there's just there's just these things that were very wrong, and uh, so I thought you know that would be like a really funny thing to. Uh, to do like this, the the set reviews like they have now, where they're they're going through the cards and uh, but put it back, put it back in 1994 for sure. Do you have a favorite either song parody or sketch from your repertoire? That's a that's a tough question. Uh, I I think um, I really like eight the eight six seven five three zero nine one and uh, I had. Um, that in my mind as like a, also like just a great uh, way to start in my mind. I was like, okay, I had these modest expectations. I was like, you know, this is, this is kind of like, it's not the, the, the funniest thing in the world, but I really like it. And it is a, it, it, it's a, it is what it is. You know, this mm-hmm. is like silly. It's, you know, it's not going to win any, like, uh, uh, Peabody Awards or whatever, but it's like, uh, that's, the, that's the kind of stuff that I like. And I had some modest expectations. I was like, uh, if it gets shared one time on Twitter, I will call it a success. You know, you got to start somewhere. And I, I remember I went on Twitter and I would just keep clicking. I took the URL and I put it in the field and I would just, mm-hmm. like, hit refresh, like, every day. First, that, for that first day, I did it. Um, and nope. And I just kept doing it, do it day after day. It was like, nope, nope, nope. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop doing this. And this yeah. is part of, this is, this is when I was on my way basically to thinking like maybe social media is not great for me, <laughs> but, uh, I, I like that one. It's just, uh, it's just, I, I think it's like a fun, you know, just, uh, thing. And I like the, I like the, the, the play with the, uh, the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about um, sketches? Honestly, I think it, that that Fallen Empires one I think is is uh, is my favorite. Not to I think that's, that's video number one and number two. So I, oh, okay. unfortunately, that maybe that means it's downhill from there. I like the the the, the five worst gins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like. Oh, you know what? That's not true. My favorite one is uh, Tolsamir Friend to Wolves. I did one called Tolsamir Friend to Wolves. Tolsamir and Bolsamir. Tolsamir and Bolsamir. That one was my favorite one categorically to 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 make, but also to do. Like I thought, I had um, 
my wife was there, and I was like, can you just read these other parts? And she doesn't know what I'm, she doesn't know what I'm doing. Like, so she, she's re- looking at it for the first time, and she, she, you know, she's just like, you know, what, what is this? This is just silly. And I'm, I'm, I'm like having fun. I had to cut out like me laughing a couple times mm-hmm. from like the, uh, from the video, uh, when I was editing, cause it was just like, it was just like a really fun, fun thing to make. And I would, I would definitely, I would definitely say that one. Yeah. I would play that sketch in this episode, but it's, it's a little bit on the bubble and we do it try to keep the, the show <laughs> family friendly. So I will, uh, I'll link to I it in the show that. notes <laughs> and you can find it. Uh, you may have to explain it to young children if they don't yeah, get maybe it. Maybe don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So do you? How? Uh, I'm sorry if I'm interrupting the line of questioning, but because uh, I'm really curious about this. How are you? Do you, how badly are you missing paper magic? Oh my god! So so badly. So here's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe it when I when I said earlier that the gathering is like the best part. Mm-hmm. Um and. There's countless people that I pretty much don't see anymore because I would only ever see them at the local game store. And yeah. in Chicago, we have an awesome community of players, um, many of whom have become my friends. Um, some of whom even got invited to my wedding. And I like literally met them playing Magic at the LGS. Um, that's awesome. So that sucks. Um, the podcast, having the podcast and like making it with two of my best friends is a great way of keeping myself engaged and kind of reminding me that like at its heart magic is an amazing game um i don't think it's a great video game like if if magic was only ever digital if it was hearthstone i don't think i would be nearly as interested or engaged um it's better than hearthstone i think yeah kind of on a fundamental level in design for in my personal opinion and you know how i choose to spend my time but like uh i'm listen if there's a safe vaccine (laughs) i'm in line to get that in part because like i can't wait to go back to the lgs i still you know try to support it fortunately our local game stores have stayed open i know a lot have had to close um so i still buy cards Uh, i've been playing spell table um we have like uh every other week the dive down nation the patrons in our community, we have uh, an F, a modern FNM, so we still get to shuffle cards on mm. camera, uh, and that has been amazing. And likewise, we've been doing some spell table commander games with my my friend group. Um, so I have found ways to to shuffle cards again because the physicality of it is a big draw for me. But mm. I don't know, like I would hate if I never get to go back to the local game store. That that might put an end to my relationship with Magic more so than like. You know, some people will be like, oh, this card, I'm quitting magic. I can't deal with this mm-hmm. anymore. That never affects me as much as just kind of like the lack of social engagement. Yeah. No, I th- I, that, that resonates with me because I feel like I feel the same way. I, I, I like playing you know, arena, don't get me wrong, but I can't I can't play like multiple matches of arena in a row. Like mm-hmm. I just can't do it. Whereas I could go to like uh, states when I was talking to you about states or uh, grand prix where you're just playing back to back rounds, back to back rounds. I could even at the end of like one of those days, I kind of just want to keep playing, you know, like paper, I could keep doing it. Uh, But you know, after a couple, couple games, not that I don't like it. I like arena. Uh, I'm glad that it's there. It's better than 
nothing. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't have the same draw as I, just the way that the way that you put it, um, put words on kind of the same way I was feeling kind of For more sure. eloquently than I could have, but that, that, that's how I feel. Yeah. It, it's the LGS and going to the movies and like going to bars and restaurants with my friends or my wife. Like I miss date night mm-hmm. and going to see the new Marvel yeah. pole or whatever. And and then after that, it's the local game store. But we'll get through it, I think. I hope. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, it's just, uh, it's just. I'll say this, and this has been like one of the the blessings personally for me as a result of doing this channel is that uh, it's basically all I've been doing since mm-hmm. uh, since I started it. So, because there's always just another video coming out the following week, and. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. It's, it's kind of flown by. You know, yeah. I've, I got my I got my wife and my kids and making these videos, and it's been uh, in that sense, it's been a blessing. And our, you know, uh, knock on wood, our we haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> we yeah. haven't gotten yeah. the, the virus yet. So, are your kids old enough to play magic yet? No. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't think so. Uh, uh, my oldest is four. Uh, I, th- I feel like I feel like. No, but she also is like smarter than I was when I was like at least eight, at mm-hmm. least mm-hmm. eight. Um, and then I have a two-year-old and a four-month-old. Oh wow! So um, they they probably couldn't. They, I'm I'm guessing, <laughs> but yeah. um, but no, they've uh, they've never played. I feel like uh, I feel like um, it, it's just me, just me in the house. <laughs> Pouring um, over cards yeah, under then, like a flashlight. Yeah, my 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 wife is, and I never really showed an interest or anything. So, um, but um, so yeah, I haven't played paper magic except for against myself on camera <laughs> for mm-hmm. since February. Yeah. So it's just been a a bummer. I'll text with some of the people that I know from from the store, but uh, even then, you know, it's just going to be like. I don't. I don't even know that people would would go. You know, even if you could, you know, because it's uh, just the nature of the stores, and yeah. you know, they're it's uh, in an enclosure, and they're normally, you know, you're kind of like facing each other. It's tough. It's just yeah, tough time. I mean, I can't speak highly enough about Spell Table. I think it's just SpellTable.com. If you haven't heard of it, it's it's like this free service to just play cards on camera with people it works really nicely and um like if you're still in touch with people who play cards and just haven't been able to play with them like it's a very good substitute i gotta do it because i actually watched one of the uh professors videos tolarian community college did a uh, thing on setting up with spell table and i was like okay i need to get x y and z and and then i'm gonna make a like a commander deck and uh, it hasn't happened yet, but it's easy. You can use your phone as a webcam. Oh. Uh, I use my mic stand to hold my webcam. It's like it's really easy to hack it. I've seen people use like a milk crate, and then they'll put they'll put their camera phone so like the camera just points through one of the holes of the milk crate. Well, that's perfect. Yeah, just steal a milk crate it. from an alley. I- yeah, I don't remember that that thing about the using your phone, but that's great. Uh, one of the things that seemed really cool that was one of the things that I was thinking in my mind would prevent it from really working well was that you know, like if you ho- ho- it's it knows what the cards are. Like if you hover yes. over, that's cool. 
Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One of my favorite things to ask artists and creative people, as we wind down, I want to get you back to your music. You Mm -hmm. have a a video to, to make. Who inspires you? You know, there's this like old T.S. Eliot quote that gets strung through the ringer. Good artists borrow, great artists steal. It's something that's resonated with me a lot as a creative as I've kind of like looked to inspiration and try to, you know, remix inspiration into my own output. Do you have anyone like that where it's just like you saw someone produce something and you're like, I can do that. I'm going to try to do that and just apply my voice to it. Well, growing up, I always loved comedy in general. And um, I loved musical comedy. I love Weird Al. And I, I don't even know that I would even have ever thought about parody songs if somebody else hadn't been making parody songs, you know. Um, one of the things I remember when I was a kid was watching, I think it was maybe a Bob, if it wasn't the Bob Hope special, it was something like that. It was like a, the Desert Storm. Uh, it must have been like 1991 thing with the troops and they did this song about where they were making fun of Saddam Hussein and it was Christmas time I think because they did like a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer parody uh, about making and they were making fun of Saddam Hussein and I remember watching that and I was like that's kind of funny but I was like I think I could write a better one so I, I got a, like a piece of paper out and I wrote a remake I did a, the second draft of it and I thought it was funnier uh, but it, really since then I always thought it was uh so fun to like, you know, do these spoof songs and stuff like that. So I would, I would always kind of be into that, but I don't know that I would have ever thought about that if not for, you know, seeing all these other uh, comedians and parody musicians. And, and like I said, like, I remember when Amish paradise yes. came out for weird Al, I was just like, this is just the, the, the peak of brilliance. I was like, this is just the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life or ever heard in my life. Uh, it, it just, just brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, those are all of my questions. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful for your, your generosity with your time and just kind of like sharing your process. No, I was, I was looking forward to, to, uh, to, to e-meeting you mm-hmm. and, and talking. And, uh, you know, I feel like someone's into magic, you know, like this is why you get, you, you feel like you already know them, you know, you could just sit down and talk for, you're going to have fun. Unfortunately, this is not accompanied by uh, shuffling cards and, no. and and playing as well. But hopefully, maybe one day we'll be at the same event where we can do that. I'm counting on it. I want to take a second to let you plug your work. Where can people find you? Well, my channel is MTG Remy, and it's YouTube uh, YouTube.com slash MTG Remy. And, uh, yeah, if you check it out, um, it's... Uh, it's basically just some fun videos on uh, on Magic the Gathering, and I do sketches and I do some uh, some parody songs, and yeah, if you if that sounds like something that you might like, check it out. One of my favorite things about the parody songs is whenever you have a scene where it's you playing Magic against yourself, you're kind of like dancing along. You're doing like a little shoulder dance to your own music. Oh, I just have fun, you know. Like I, I I'm I, I like me. to have fun. And, uh, my, uh, I, I think I get that from my, uh, my mom, my mom will just, uh, turn on the music in dinner and just start dancing. And, 
you turn yeah. into your parents. Yeah. <laughs> this did remind me. Last question to close close out this yeah. this conversation. It looks like you can grow a mustache, and yet in your videos, that mustache isn't real. What do you, What do you use for a fake mustache? A Crayola children's marker, <laughs> uh, which are in abundance in our home. <laughs> One of the great, one of life's great enigmas, uh, just being able to grow a mustache in literally eight hours, but drawing it in anyway. Right, right. Wow. Oh man. There you go. The, the tools of the trade, movie magic. Turned yeah. out it was just Crayola the whole time. Yeah, it was Crayola the whole time. It comes off easy that way. All right, Remy. Thanks again. Really, this was so much fun. Um, I'm excited to share this with our listeners, and uh, I'm excited for all of your future sketches, your songs. Um, and yeah, I think uh, you do great work. And I think you're one of like, especially in 2020, one of like the greatest voices to emerge within the magic community because what you do is so unique and so welcome. So I, I can't thank you enough for being here and doing what you do. So thanks well, again. That means a lot to me, Stan. Thank you. And uh, thank you for having me. It was uh, just a, a blast to get to, to chat and hang out, honestly. If this is your first time listening to The Dive Down, make sure to subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they come out every Friday morning. You can find us wherever you enjoy podcasts, be it YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, the Apple Podcast app. Speaking of Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us a rating and review if you enjoy the show. If you'd like to submit a question to the podcast or pick our brain on something in modern pioneer or magic in general, you can tweet us at the dive down, all one word, or email the dive down at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can join our Patreon. Find that over at patreon.com slash the dive down. Join our Slack channel, participate in our FNM spell table tournaments. Usually we play modern. Also, shout out to manatraders.com for sponsoring the dive down. You can sign up for Mana Traders using promo code THEDIVEDOWN, all one word, and get 15% off your first three months of renting Magic Online cards. Special thanks to Remy for letting us use his music and sketches throughout this episode. We'll close it out with another one of his songs. This is Wake Me Up Before You Combo by MTG Remy. Eight o'clock. Okay, what do I want to do next? Nine o'clock. Do this and then this. Ten o'clock. Or maybe, okay, cast this. Eleven o'clock. All right, still in my upkeep. You put the trigger onto the stack. You keep priority, you don't go to attacks. Your draw step goes on the day. I watched an episode of Friends in your pre-combat main phase. Teferi's bothering me, something's not right. I ain't played a card since what seems like a should be scooping, probably dead, but you might not have it. So how about instead, wake me up before you combo. I just need to know that it's not a number. Wake me up before you combo. I hope I'm still alive when I die. Wake me up before you combo, because you just found a cure for insomnia. Wake me up before you combo. Wake me up when I die. Visions, draw a card. Wait, I forgot to scroll.